Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 91. And Donna's sick. I am sick. Not that she's head. not that sick. <laughs> I said in the head. She's got a shot. She's fine. Yep. She just doesn't sound great. Do I ever? Yes, you look, you have the best voice. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Why is 2019 the year of illness? Oh my gosh. And of course, I'm the first one to get motherfucking sick. And I've been taking elderberry, y'all. <laughs> what the placebo is happening here? <laughs> I was like, motherfucker. And you know what, though? 2019 has been the year where I've had to give a lot of fucking, well, I've had to do a lot of blood tests. <laughs> you started by I, saying I, I had to give a lot of, and then you, I was like, okay. And then you, when you changed it, you started with a B. I was like, this is much about telling everybody she had to do a lot of blowjobs this year. <laughs> Didn't meet my quota yet. Um, <laughs> uh, no, so like, I don't like needles, but now I'm just like, I'm going to go get a shot, feel better. Before I'd be like, no, it's okay. Mm-mm. Now I'm like, give it to me. I'll bend over. Shit, what am I talking about? This girl is hard up. <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> All right, what's been going on with you since you're not fucking sick? So, like, have you been watching TV? Because we haven't been recording. What you been doing? I did catch up on some TV. Finally started season three of The Crown. I mean, it's been out for like two weeks and I have like mm, 17 other shows I'm behind on. <laughs> but that's fun. I'm listening to this book called Dope Sick, and it's by Beth Macy, and it's kind of slow, like not slow, it's just a lot of facts, so it's not just like a la la la, you know what I mean? It's not a page turner. Right, but I really do like it, and there's so much good information about opioids and how it's led to this epidemic, and the pharmacy companies that are responsible for it, and how it's led to... This heroin epidemic as well. It's really interesting. I would like you to do an episode about something like that. Because that's, it gets my blood boiling. It's pretty fucked up, man. Yeah. I mean, like, if you, just like the companies who said one thing. And I mean, just like the all the podcasts we've been talking about, like Bad Batch and, you know, all that where they say it's FDA approved and it's not. Or, you know, I think this book said that Purdue Pharma said that, like, there was a 1% chance of getting addicted to Oxycontin, and really, it was like a 56% chance. Yeah. It's like, it's just these blatant lies that led to overprescribing, which led to addiction, which led to, I mean, the slippery slope, you know? Yeah. I started and finished the third season of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, whatever oh, it is. Oh, yes. I haven't watched it Fucking yet. Fucking love that show. Me too, but I hadn't watched that yet. It's so good. I also still haven't finished Orange is the New Black, uh, Wentworth, something else. Finally finished Handmaid's Tale. Like, I'm so behind on everything. But up to date on uh, Housewives? Yeah. Uh-huh. If I sit down to watch TV for just like an hour, that's what I watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, disclaimer, it's not a demon and we're not haunted. It's just me being a mouth breather. You're <laughs> going to hear me breathing. I just know it. <sighs> One thing that makes me feel better, besides, you know, the shot in my ass, new Patreoners. Any shot in your ass or just that one? (laughs) I mean. (laughs) (laughs) 
they're like a shot to my heart. (laughs) Up first, Shauna from Ohio. Kim G from Florida. Amber M from Pennsylvania. Melinda M from Pennsylvania. Carter B from Idaho. You know. (laughs) Damn, you good. It's so like Cardi B how you said it. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) And Trisha O from Iowa. Thank y'all for joining Patreon. If you want an episode shout out, head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Okay. This story is a little different from my norm. All right. I'm with it. I'm with it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start out telling you about three deaths and then how they're connected. The first death I'm going to tell you about is the death of April Hicks. April died in 1991. She was 24 years old and she died from blunt force trauma to her head from a fall from a third story window. Holy Hannah Montana. The other death was of a girl by the name of Charlene Appling. In 1991, Charlene was six months pregnant when Mark Chambers strangled her to death. She was pregnant and she got strangled to death? Mm-hmm. Fuck Mark Chambers. Mm-hmm. Well, you want to know the kicker of that one? No, I don't because I'm already pissed. Well, he was charged with murder, obviously, but he accepted a plea And got voluntary manslaughter. What? Uh Uh-huh. Sentenced to 10 to 25 years in prison, and he got out in 2000. Are you kidding me? On parole. Nine years. How did he do that when he killed two people then? Well, that's also like a, uh, in 1991, was it two people or was it, you know what I mean? Because that's based on like the definition of what's a fetus, what's a, you know what I mean? Like, so it's a slippery slope. I don't know what the rules were. In 91, so I I don't know. Yeah. We're on to the third death, and this is where I'm going to find out, like, the aha moment. Because right now, it's like a fall, an asshole, <laughs> and I have no idea. Okay. Well, we're going to back it up to 1982 now. Still have no idea. Okay. Well... There was a young girl. Her name was Karen Range, and she was 19 years old. She lived with her parents. She was recently engaged. She and her fiancé both wanted to be veterinarians. They were going to college, doing their thing. Well, one day... Where is this at? Hamilton County in Ohio, like Cincinnati area. Oh, okay. Well, one day, Karen's at home alone. Her parents are out shopping, and she gets a knock on the door. When she opens the door... It's a guy named David Steffen, and he is a door-to-door salesman selling cleaning products. Did you ever have people come to your house like that? No. They probably said, "Mm, too much, not worth it, Mm mm-mm. I, like, still vividly remember the day that, do you remember the rainbow vacuum cleaners? No, girl, we didn't have that. Okay, well, I still remember the day that the door-to-door salesperson came to my parents' house I think I legit, I was probably like six, maybe. And they did like a demonstration, you know, clean, vacuumed the whole room, did the demonstration, and then we bought it. Tiffany and them had one like that. Mm-hmm. That's a, we were not fancy like that. These were the best vacuum cleaners back then. Mm-mm. If y'all don't know what she's talking about, they had water. Yeah. It had water. And I was like. That was so disgusting to empty. nasty. It was disgusting to empty, but it cleaned it so good. Mm-mm. And you could, ugh, anyway. Okay. 
you know, too, part of the like shtick of the door-to-door salesman is that depending on what they're selling, they do demonstrations, like i.e. the rainbow people vacuumed. So this guy was selling bathroom cleaning products. And so he was like, hey, let me come in, clean the bathroom, and I'll show you how these products work. Uh, yes, please. Right? I'm like, a free bathroom cleaning? Hmm. Wait, so like they would clean your yeah. house? Not your house. Whatever, like one room. So like, again, he's selling bathroom cleaners. So he's going to go in and clean one bathroom to show you how it works. Or like if it's a vacuum or like um, a carpet cleaner, they'll do one room. I'd be like, I have different kinds of carpet. I need to know what it is like on this one and that one. Especially back in the day when this actually happened, you could be like, I got shag carpet in there. I got whatever Low another. Yeah, I was going to say, whatever another kind is. <laughs> a rug over here. Mm-hmm. Well, Karen's home alone. And I imagine that she's like, okay, it's a door-to-door salesman. Like, no harm, no foul. Sure, come on in. I'll, like, do the demo, and then I'll tell my parents all about it. Also, Stefan was only 22 years old, and she's 19. So it's like they're peers, you know, so she's a little more at ease. It's not like a 60-year-old man or a 50-year-old man is trying to come in, and she's this young 19-year-old girl at home alone. Right. It's her peer. She's not – she's at ease. Well, little did she know that Stefan was actually on – probation because he had robbed a bank in indiana Mm, yeah okay so he robs banks but he should go into people's houses i mean it seems legit where he cleans and sees all their like intimate areas Mm -hmm. when her parents get home they find karen laying in the bathroom with her shirt torn open (gasps) a cleaning rag stuffed in her mouth ew And she's lying in a pool of her own blood because her throat has been sliced so deeply that she's almost decapitated. Oh, my gosh. When they do the autopsy, they find semen inside of Karen. Karen's mom and fiance are like, look, Karen was a virgin. So the police are thinking, well, clearly then she was raped because, again, of how she was found and there's semen inside of her. It didn't take long for them to catch up with David Steffen, and they brought him in because, given the timeline, who the hell else was it? Right. When they get him in the interrogation room, he tells police that when he was in the bathroom with Karen doing the demo, I don't know how he accidentally did this, but he says that he accidentally brushed his face across her breasts. So... How short was he? So you just tripped and fell and your mouth ended up on her boobs? Like, what the fuck? No, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. No. Yeah. On accident. Mm -hmm. But both breasts got in my mouth. (laughs) And, you know, that's the thing, too, though, is that we know in confessions that suspects always minimize their involvement. So if they did it, they're going to be like, well, it was accidentally... Mm-hmm. touched her it was an accident mm-hmm. and then according to him she screamed in his face after he accidentally grazed her breast with his mouth well, um yeah duh. yeah i would have too you're yeah. a piece of shit why is your mouth on me yeah don't be dirty you're supposed to be cleaning so what he said was after she yelled at him to i'm sure get the fuck off of me what do you think you're doing He says that he hit Karen in order to keep her from screaming more. 
which sounds counterintuitive, but okay. Mm-hmm. So when beating her didn't work, he shoved the washcloth, the, the cleaning rag, in her mouth. Which is not normal. Like, this mm-hmm. is not normal. No, and imagine that. This little fucking twerp was shut down by her. And so what does he do? It enrages him. And so he attacks her because she turned down his advancements. Like, okay. Yeah. Fucking incel. Right. And again, not only is he minimizing his participation in it, he's also placing the blame on Karen. Mm -hmm. So it's not his fault. Right. It's not my fault that I killed her. She yelled at me because my mouth accidentally touched her breasts. Mm -hmm. It's not sound logic. No, it's not. That is, though, total incel thinking. Yes. I need you to cover... Some incels? I Mm -hmm. know. Okay. Well, guess what he did? He went and got a paring knife from her kitchen to cut her throat. A paring knife? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, remember, her shirt was found open. So, he says that he ripped her shirt off and he was going to rape her, but he says, I couldn't. I couldn't get it up. Well, shit. Now I'm like, is he telling the truth? Is he not? Because is he trying to downplay that Mm -hmm. he didn't rape her? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know. Like, is he going to lie and be like, couldn't get it up? Or... Is he doing that to being like, I couldn't get it up, you see? Well, and two, it's like, if he's the type of guy that was so distraught that she shut him down, and like literally it enraged him to a point where he killed someone, is he the type of guy that's going to be like, yeah, see, I tried, couldn't get it up. True. Like, that's not really the type of guy that's going to admit he couldn't get it up. Yeah. So, is he, like you said, downplaying his involvement so that he doesn't look so bad while he's confessing? Yeah. He can't be trusted. No. Fuck no. Test him. So, David Steffen goes to trial, and he is found guilty of aggravated murder while committing a rape. And he's given the death penalty. Oh, shit. But all the while, he's like, okay, yeah, I killed her, but I didn't rape her. So he's going through all of these appeals to be like, yeah, okay, killed her, didn't do the rape. Oh, shit. But everybody else is like, she was a virgin. You know, she was found with semen on her. Her shirt was ripped open. Like, clearly, you raped her. Ooh, what if it's a fiance? But like, what if... He wanted sex, and she didn't. You know, like, hey, it's closer to the wedding, whatever. You know what I mean? Who knows? Well, and then, and the day before she was murdered, they had just picked out their wedding rings. See, he could have been like, "Oh, look, ringy dingy," <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and she was like, "Oh my god, no!" Because we have to wait till our wedding day. But then, you know, he's gonna rape her. But then she doesn't say anything. He leaves. Old cleaning man comes. He's a despicable human being. He accidentally mm-hmm, does his motorboating and kills her because she's like, holy fuck, another guy yeah. is taking advantage of me, whatever. 
And the fiance has the perfect alibi because her mama is like, oh no, she a virgin. They waiting for marriage. And he is the doer. Could be, but if her, if your fiance just raped you, would you be like, come on in, do a demonstration on my bathroom? No. People deal with stress different ways. <laughs> touche, touche. Well, again, all of these appeals and... You're not saying no. You're right. I'm not. But because this is a death penalty case, tons of appeals. Well, 24 years later, after the murder, so we're in 2006, they test this, the seminal fluid found on Karen's body to once and for all prove yay or nay on is it Stefan's DNA. It comes back and it's not his DNA. It really is the the guy, the fiance. But how would that be connected to the other two deaths? So he was her brother pushed her out the window. He knew Mark Chambers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I forgot about the death. Damn it. So they run the DNA through all the databases and they find that the DNA matches a guy by the name of Kenneth Douglas. Who is Kenneth Douglas? A fucking red herring. Who is he? The morgue attendant. What? (laughs) What? Yeah. He wasn't even on my radar. This is not fair. This is like, this is like law and order criminal intent. This is like monk. Yes. When I could not solve it and I would hate it because it's like, you didn't introduce this character to me. This from the girl who saw the sixth sense on the trailer and knew that Bruce Willis's character was dead from the trailer. Well, it made sense to me. It didn't fucking make sense to me. I was like, (gasps) at the end of the movie. But see, he was in the movie. This over here, it would be like another character. Crazy, right? Okay, so... Kenneth Douglas, you are a nasty motherfucker. Yeah, gets worse. So, literally, the day her body was brought into the morgue for autopsy, he raped her body. Are you kidding me? So, that changes things with David Steffen's conviction. Yeah. Because his death penalty, those those mitigating circumstances that gave him the death penalty instead of life in prison was the rape. Yeah. So, he ended up taking another plea so that it wouldn't go to trial and all that stuff because they were like, the best we can hope for is like 40 years, but he ain't going to get that. And so now, he's serving life in prison without the possibility of parole. So, just think about it. So, you have this guy who's worked for the morgue from 1976 to 1992. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And he worked the night shift. So he was alone. Oh, my gosh. That is sick. So. That is sick. Yeah. So in 2008, he pleads no contest. And they sentence him to three years for gross abuse of a corpse for Karen. Four years after that, though, they're like, I wonder if he ever did it. Any other times? Of course. Well, he did. Oh, my gosh. To Charlene Appling? No. Uh Uh-huh. And April Hicks. Whoa. So that's how they're all connected. That's how they're connected. 
because they, we know. They were raped by the same nasty, nasty man. Yep. They're After they died. bodies. Mm-hmm. They're poor bodies. And those are only the women that we have DNA from. I mean, I know they're not at their most vulnerable because they're gone or whatever, but it's like their body is there. They've just died. And if they're going through like an autopsy and all of that, usually through terrible circumstances. Mm-hmm. And like their families now, like, oh God. Well, and, and, okay, and two, you know, I'm more like, logical numbers, you know, like what are the repercussions, all that kind of thing. That's how my brain works. And you're more of the emotional side, which is why we work. But think about the impact. How many cases have been impacted because his DNA was, his seminal fluid was found and maybe somebody wasn't like David Steffen. Maybe they got off because their lawyer was better and was like, this isn't, you know, maybe it was later enough in life because that was in 82. Yeah. You know, maybe it was, maybe it was in 1990 and their attorney was better and like, look, DNA didn't match. Oh my gosh. So how many people have, one, been put to death because of his actions or two, gotten off because of his actions? Right. Here's the other thing. Oh my God, there's another thing. Well, he got sentenced to another six years for Charlene in April Kenneth Douglas admitted to raping upwards of a hundred corpses. Wow. Whoa. And he blamed it all on the fact that he was drunk and high on crack while he was at work. Oh, okay. Because you did illegal substances. That made you have sex with a corpse. Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in this country Mm -hmm. who are addicted to drugs. Mm -hmm. And... Mm, not near one of them having sex with dead bodies. Yeah, they're not necrophiliacs. Oh, my God. Oh, like, it just aggravates me so bad. Mm-hmm. It's sickening. Yes. It. Oh, Kenneth Douglas, I don't like you. Well, and, and two, so, okay, so he's quoted basically saying, like, you know, he would drink and smoke crack before he went to work. If he didn't do those things, then he wouldn't have sex with bodies. If he did do them, that's when it would happen. And let me rephrase that. He didn't have sex with them. He fucking raped them. Yes. I feel like that's what all rapists say mm-hmm. is, oh, it was because I drank too much. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. No, you raped them because you're a fucking rapist mm-hmm. and you're a terrible human being. You know? Yeah. Like, and whatever, you know, you just felt like oh, yeah, I can do it now. Mm-hmm. You know, like, fuck you. Well, the families of those three victims that they, again, they had DNA proof it, that he did it. They took Hamilton County to, like, for a civil lawsuit. Good for them. Good for them. So they had to prove, quote, reckless and wantonly neglecting their supervisory role for Kenneth Douglas. You know how they proved it? Oh, God. Did he video it? Mm-mm. I, I think this may be worse. Oh, my gosh. You be the judge. Kenneth Douglas's wife did a deposition, and she said that when she would pick him up from work, he would be, quote, reeking of alcohol and sex. So what did she do? She called his boss. Well, good for her. Uh-huh. 
Because um, he don't work at a bar, honey. Mm-hmm. And guess what the boss said? Whatever happens on county time and on county property is county business. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Put him as an accessory. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Well, apparently, it was the medical examiner that told her that, and he passed away before all of this came out. Passed away, you say? Mm-hmm. The families of the three victims were awarded $800,000 to share, and at this point, Kenneth Douglas is out of prison. What? Yeah, he served his time. He's out, living his best life. He is out? Mm-hmm. Hide your kids, hide your wives, and hide your urns. (laughs) 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 This story is so fucked up. It's so fucked up, but... And somebody, sidebar, somebody told me this in the Facebook group, and I'm so sorry. I couldn't for the life of me find it again to to know who was the one that recommended it. So whoever you are, thank you. I'm sorry I I couldn't find it. Kenneth Douglas, wherever you are, I hope you have, like, the worst diarrhea for a whole week. Just the one week, okay? Just one week. And I hope he, like, the diarrhea that he can't get up from the toilet because he's, like, going constantly. His legs fall asleep. And he doesn't have any toilet paper. Okay. It's quite specific. Might have happened before. I was going to say, it (laughs) sounds like you might be speaking from experience, but I'm just, I digress. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, seriously. Such a fucked up story, huh? Though, you know, it's like, how can I hate him more than someone who killed somebody? You know why? Because he didn't get his punishment. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he served the time he was sentenced to, but yes. how do you... No, that that should be... Raping a corpse should be treated just like raping a living yes. body. Because neither one are giving you consent. Yes. Okay, so question. Since, like, necrophiliac Douglas over there, mm-hmm. could Stefan sue him... For having to go through all of, like, the shit. Because he's saying, I didn't rape her. And you, whoever there, knew that he dropped, you know, he made a deposit for a fucking autopsy. Or could the, like, the state sue him? I mean, Because that's man hours. I don't, I mean, I guess technically they probably could in a civil suit, yes. But, and get what from him? You know, because that would still be the man hours and the taxpayers' dollars, you know. I really did like this one because I have not heard it. A hundred corpses. A hundred. And what's the fallout of this? Like, what's the the domino effect of his actions? Yeah. I mean, because, again, we just have... We just know the one case. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. No, there's. it's impossible to know. And he's living his fucking best life. Besides that one week that he has diarrhea, his legs are asleep, <laughs> and he doesn't have toilet paper. Allegedly. Maybe. Donna hopes. I do hope. Oh, my gosh. I would love more stories like this. Like the weird, mm-hmm. 
Like, just... And, like I said, an incel story. Yeah. Because those motherfuckers. Incel, sorry, just... We're saying, like, everybody knows what an incel is. Incel means involuntarily celibate. So, it's men who, well, are clearly involuntary, involuntarily celibate and place blame on women, society, more attractive men, more attractive women, blah, 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 blah. It's Everyone a whole thing. but them. And so, it, there's, like, this whole subculture and... Like, of hate on the internet and all of that that, like, leads to... It's dangerous. Danger. hmm Well, yours was weird. Like, one you've never done before. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope all my stories are like that. One I've never done before. <laughs> Your well, face is like, seriously. Garden variety serial killer. It's <laughs> um, But my story is different as well oh shit and i don't know but it's a weird one it's a weird one well i'm a little nervous but i'm also like super excited i went down rabbit holes oh my god okay i'm excited okay tell me no more so you can tell me everything we all know how little kids love model airplanes rockets things that ignite the imagination Mm mm-hmm Well, I'm going to be focusing on a boy who loved all of the things like this, and his name is Jack Parsons. And trust me, you probably have never heard of him. Okay. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Is he single? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, you wouldn't want to be with him, but also, maybe you would. (laughs) Depends on the day, I guess. (laughs) He was born in 1914 in Pasadena, California, as Marvel Whiteside Parsons Jr. He was born to a really wealthy family. He better be with that fucking name. Right? And as with most things, money cannot buy happiness all the time. It does help, but... (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Like, I will take it. Let me prove them wrong. Yeah. His dad was having an affair and just left the family one day (gasps) when Jack was little. Uh Uh-uh. So his mom, Ruth, actually divorced his dad, and so it was just Jack and his mom. She could not stand calling him Marvel Jr., so she just started calling him John. And then relatives and friends started calling him Jack, and it just stuck. What? Jack Parsons. Yeah. And just let me say, this is going to be kind of like an autobiography, but it is so interesting. He is so interesting to me. And I feel like I could have, like, five parts on him. Like, I think I am going to, actually, like, of different things. Okay. I don't know why, but I'm in love with this story. And I hope (laughs) y'all are, too. Fast forward to eighth grade, and Jack meets his person, his BFF named Edward Foreman. They were both fans of science fiction and super intrigued with fireworks and experiments and all of the things. So it was a fast friendship and they spent like every afternoon together. So it is 1928 and with these afternoons and weekends that they're spending together, they're conducting experiments, mostly with fireworks in Jack's backyard. That is a disaster waiting to happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, neighbors complained a lot because they were essentially blowing shit up. 
but they were doing it trying to construct their own solid-fueled rocket. But because they were just learning and kind of doing trial and error, there's craters all over his backyard from where they've exploded shit. Fast forward a little bit, and while Jack was still in high school, he started working for Hercules Powder Company in 1932. And then in 1933, Jack and Edward both graduated from high school and went to Pasadena Junior College together. And then both dropped out together too. Do they sound like anyone else? Codependent AF, me and you. I mean, you're not wrong. They were then employed by Halifax Explosives. So you can see they're still growing, still living their dream, basically. They're being able to experiment and everything. And most of all, they're doing it together. I don't think I could work with you, though. Uh, We work together right now. I know, but this is different than like your job job. Oh, yeah. I don't think I could do that. Why? I gotta have a little bit of space, man. (laughs) Why? I'm great. (laughs) Maybe no one can, and that's why I work from home. (laughs) It's about time you put that together. Right? I thought it was like a perk. No, I've been exiled. Fuck. In 1935, Jack marries Helen Northrup, who was his high school sweetheart. Aw. Things are going good for Jack. And then in 1937, both Jack and Edward, they attended a lecture on rocketry at Caltech. And that's where they met a student named Frank Molina. He was a mechanical engineering major at the time and a theorist. And they all had these ideas and shit, so they started hanging out. And they tried to start up a rocket development program at Caltech. But they were basically mocked and ridiculed because rocketry, I love saying that, (laughs) um, it was still basically science fiction at this time. You know, these people who were mathematicians and, you know, all of engineers and all of this is like, you can't shoot anything into space. Like, space is so unknown. That's never going to happen. And you know what I mean? And so it really was science fiction. But as luck would have it, there was this legendary aerodynamicist, Theodore von Karman, and he was working at Gausset, which is short for Guggenheim Aeronautical Laboratories of the California Institute of Technology. This is a lot of names. I know. I know. And he listened to their plans. He was like, you know what? I understand that y'all want to do liquid and solid-fueled rockets, and, like, I can get behind y'all. And so what he did, he approved their proposal, but it was in the form of Frank Molina's proposal for a PhD in rocket design. Mm. And so this opened doors for them, and they now had the ability to use Caltech's resources even though they, you know, still thought it was like, eh, mm-hmm. but it's for PhD shit now and, you know, all of that. Yeah. Well, it didn't take long before, you know, they were blowing shit up and there was a misfired rocket. So they had to leave the lab that they were in and go out like on this like concrete platform. Then when they were there, there was a second explosion And it, like, caused a piece of steel to be embedded into a wall. Oh, my God. And so they were like, y'all have to move further away. So they went into the desert to, you know, like, 
they can't fuck anything up. They're in the middle of the desert. Is this how we got Area 51? <laughs> no. Or is it? <gasps> no. <laughs> well, now, because they're like misfits, because they're just blowing shit up, mm-hmm. you know, they're known as the Suicide Squad. Damn. And that, you, well, you might not know it, but that's like the Joker, Harley Quinn, all of them, like the villains mm-hmm. are known as the Suicide Squad. As in Marvel, as in his name. Right? Isn't that weird? That is weird. Shit like that's going to keep coming up, girl. So where they started doing their experiments, it was close to the Aurora Seiko area, which is close to where it's called the Devil's Gate Dam. And y'all, I'm not even going to lie. I'm going to do another episode on this because when I was reading about this, I was like, I mean, that's a whole nother tangent I could go on Mm -hmm. of like craziness. But just know, like, I mean, Devil's Gate, damn, that sounds like dun dun dun. Mm-hmm. But why it was called the Devil's Gate thing is because some of the Native Americans saw the devil's face in some of the rock formations mm. there. Yeah. All right. So moving along, 1938, the army is like, all right, we have two research projects. One is like a de-icing of a windshield. And then another one is for rocket engines to launch a small spacecraft. Those are very different projects. Yes. Well, MIT was like, okay, because they had the first pick and they were like, rocketry is so like. Last season? No, they're like, (laughs) it's so stupid. Like it's futile, you Mm -hmm. know, like let the kids have their fun. We're going to be doing something that's meaningful. You know, they took the DI scene of the windshield shed. Well, and so the Suicide Squad then had the rocket developments, which is what they would want anyway. Right. Well, Jack Parsons, he he was an odd fellow. Even when he was younger. I mean, hello, he blew shit up all the time. But he had like a passion for... Anything science fiction, anything for, like, supernatural, anything from, like, the great beyond, you know? Yeah. It said that when he was younger, he did some kind of ritual stuff in his bedroom to summon the devil. <gasps> and he stopped doing it when he thought it worked. Oh, my but, God. Like, that's all I could find on it. So I couldn't really find anything else, like what he did, why he did it, you know, or whatever. Yeah. But again, so I mean, like, you just see that he, he's dabbling in everything. You know what I mean? Like, things that people don't understand, he's dabbling in it. And he wants to understand it. Well, he also had a passion for mythology. And so, he was walking by a building on campus, and there was this roofer applying hot asphalt to the top of a building. And It just, like, clicked with him because you know how, like, fucking geniuses are. Mm -hmm. Something clicks in their brain and it's like, how the fuck did you think of that? Yeah. And so he was reminded of a weapon used by the Byzantine Empire called Greek Fire. It's an incendiary weapon, which is basically like, you know, a flamethrower. Okay. Mm -hmm. And something really cool about the Greek Fire thing is that it would still be on fire in water. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So with all of this in his head, it's like, ding, he thinks about it. And I'm not going to tell you all of the technical stuff because I'd get it all wrong. 
but he creates a binding agent through all of this stuff. And it's where they can be, it can be stored in canisters safely. Like that's never been done before because hello, remember craters in his backyard. Mm-hmm. You know, they had to be out in the desert, all of that shit. Yeah. And it, this was like now a clean and even burn. So it's like, oh shit, this might actually work. Well, the military was like, it was like Shark Tank. They were like, uh, sold. We will buy into this. (laughs) And so they called it JADO. And it stands for Jet Assisted Takeoff. Because still, rocket is not, like, you don't say rocket. It's Mm -hmm. still like, that's the frou-frou kind of, it's, you know what I mean? It's like still. Hokey kind of. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, this stuff that he was doing, and he helped create solid rocket fuel, all of that would be the basis of the Minuteman missile, the Titan rocket, the space shuttle solid rocket booster, and basically helped us get to outer space. Dang. But we've never really heard of Jack Parsons. Mm -mm. Well, now I'm going to tell you why. Because he was kind of erased from history. What? Yeah, what? like, And yeah. the CIA is going on um, here. Yeah. So in 1939, Jack and his wife, they they kind of got tangled up in some, some new religion. Oh, shit. And it was with Aleister Crowley. And he's like a cultist legend. Okay. Okay. He referred to himself as the Great Beast 666. And the English media would call him the wickedest man in the world. He was all about, like, do your own thing. The motto of his religion is, do what thou wilt. And he created Thelema, this religion. I think I'm saying that right. All I think about is Thelma and Louise and... Yeah, that's where I went. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, this has really nothing to do with the story, but this just shows you what Aleister Crowley, like, he is the wickedest man alive or whatever... So he used to be a mountaineer, and on one excursion, it was 1905, he's with some, you know, fellow peeps, and they get trapped by an avalanche, and they're like, help, help, he does not help them, (gasps) he sits there, puts his feet up, makes him a spot of tea, and watches them die on the mountain, and he later claimed that he had no sympathy for them. Well, thou doest what thou willest, or whatever he said. Mm-hmm. Okay, Shit. You that up. Okay. <laughs> what did he say? Do what thou wilt. Oh. <laughs> oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it has nothing to do, but you just, what? What in the Diatlov Pass is going on here? <laughs> so, okay, in 1910, Aleister Crowley, he was admitted to a secret society, and it was called the Ordo Templi Orientis. Mm-hmm. Say that three times fast. Couldn't say it once, so there. But they're known as OTO. Originally was modeled after the Freemasons and stuff. I swear, I almost guessed Freemasons when you said he was part of a secret society. Yeah. Well, he kind of... Because he rose through the ranks because he's very charismatic, you know, all of the things. And, I mean, he's the beast, 666, you know what I mean? He's got mm-hmm. he's got power. 
but he kind of changed it into more of his religion that he created, the Thelema. And it's all about free love, free will, and sex magic with a K. No. Mm-hmm. Yes, girl. So, okay. We got who Aleister Crowley is, what's going on with OTO. Well, go back to 1939. Jack and his wife, Helen, they joined the Pasadena chapter of OTO. That's when he started doing correspondence with Crowley. They never met, but they wrote all of the things. Alistair's over in England. Jack is here in Pasadena. At these gatherings that they would have, the Pasadena chapter and everywhere, it was called Gnostic Mass, which was kind of like Catholic Mass, but not. Yeah, I was going to say. Is it though? Mm -hmm. So according to an article on Vice.com, I am going to read this straight because I can't do it justice if I don't. Okay. On a black and white stage stood an altar embossed with hieroglyphic patterns, a host of candles, and an upright coffin covered with gauze curtain out of which the group's caped leader would appear. (laughs) Poetry was read. Swords were drawn. (laughs) Breast kissed. And lances stroked. It was a highly charged sexual atmosphere. Wine was drunk, and cakes made out of menstrual blood were consumed. What? Like, I literally could not say that. I could not paraphrase it. I could not, I could not do it justice. What in the Elizabeth Bathory is going on? <laughs> I am speechless. Oh, th- this, I'm telling you, like, it's like, okay, you y'all are all probably going like, Okay, cool. He did space shit. Okay, cool, Donna. You have to know that he's a genius. But then also, this. He's, he's eating menstrual blood cake. <laughs> That's disgusting. Like, for real? Or was it like raspberry filling? <laughs> no, it was for real. I, I just threw up in my mouth. Well, there must have been something in that menstrual blood cake. Because he was like, this is it. This is what it's all about. Like, this is going to help me get to the higher power. All of the things like, and this is going to help me launch these rockets. We're going to get into space. All of the things. This is like the precursor to L. Ron Hubbard and Scientology. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, he, you know, he he didn't let up on either of his passions. So he was going super strong into being a rocket man and <laughs> also being... Sex Magic Man. Sex Magic Mike. With a K. So he purchased this large house on South Orange Grove Avenue. And it's known as Pasadena's Millionaire Row. Okay. So think about all these nice homes. Rich people. So with this, he created a commune in this house. Oh, shit. And they had some wild ass parties. As you, as one would assume from that Gnostic mass, because it would then take place here. Oh. He nicknamed it the Parsonage. So if you've ever heard that, that's what this is talking about. I mean, like, lots of people went through this place, okay? Like, Ray Bradbury, before he wrote Fahrenheit 451, like, you know, he was young. Mm-hmm. But he's here. Like, I don't know. It's just so many names that he's connected with, this Jack Parsons. I'm like... 
forget six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Mm-hmm. It's this guy. Well, his neighbors did not like his parties. Because it's one thing of like loud music, but there were like naked girls dancing, naked pregnant girls dancing. Like outside or inside? Outside. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well then, okay. And they would be like dancing through a fire. Oh. Yeah. Like, I mean, it. he took it to a whole nother level. Frank Molina, the third person in their suicide squad back in the day, mm-hmm. his wife later in an interview, this is what she said about his house and like the parties. She said, it was a big, big thing, full of people. Some of them had masks on. Some had costumes on. Women were weirdly dressed. It was like walking into a Fellini movie. Women were walking around in diaphanous togas and weird makeup. Some were dressed up like animals, like a costume party. Not a costume party. (laughs) (laughs) But it's like, you know, you think of all the secret society stuff and you Mm -hmm. go to like those weird things. Like, this is it. Yeah. This. But also he's making rockets like that the military's buying yeah you know what i mean so whatever he was doing whatever sex magic he was doing was working because his work was taken off (laughs) no pun intended i was gonna say and the military was impressed like they just kept funding them so then they founded aerojet engineering corporation which like still around okay fuck In 1943, the military was like, you know what? The whole rocket project that they had, we're taking it over. And they changed the name to Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Okay, JPL. Again, they can't say rocket. Mm -hmm. Which is so crazy. When the war was over and, you know, I mean, the need for all the shit kind of died down where they could take it at their, their pace and stuff. They're like, look. Jack is a little too much. Mm-hmm. And we don't want him to be the face of Aerojet. Like, we don't want them to know that he's sex magic Mike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So they did a payoff. And he was like, okay. Because he went full time into the occult. And by this time, he was now having an affair with Sarah who is Helen, his wife's half-sister. Isn't an affair really, though, when they're like, love is love, have sex with whomever? Mm, true, because Helen, his wife, was having an affair with the OTO head guy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they were like, cool. Well, so they left. Helen and the head guy, they left. So that meant... Jack Parsons was now the head of the OTO, Pasadena chapter. And here we come, Carrie. In August 1945, Jack Parsons was introduced to Lafayette Ronald Hubbard. L. Ron Hubbard. No! Yes. 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 I'm speechless. Uh-huh. I fucking told you this is like the precursor to L. Ron Hubbard. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And he, Jack loved him. He was like, oh, my God, this guy is amazing. But here's the thing. Aleister Crowley, the the wickedest man in the world, was like, I do not like L. Ron Hubbard. <gasps> 
he is a charlatan. <gasps> he is a fraud. You know, like he's a fucking warped individual. What? I mean, yes. he ain't wrong, but what? Right, right. I'm like, this guy who fucking let his his mountaineer peeps die and was like, eh. he's saying, you know what, L. Ron, he just eh. something's off with this guy. Yeah, like holy shit. Mm-hmm. You trying to get us killed, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jack was like, Oh, Alistair, you're over there in England, you don't know. Elrond's my friend. And they became like really Good friends. And they were going to share stuff that Jack and his friend Edward never shared because they started doing some sex magic rituals together. Mm -hmm. And it was called Babylon Working. And it's all about goddess worship and this one in particular, Babylon. And she was known as the Scarlet Woman. So... Alistair and Jack had already talked about it and they were like, you know what? We, if we do all of these rituals and everything, we can get the spirit of Babylon into a human, you know, with sex magic. And then therefore she would be pregnant with the moon child. So how do they even know that this Babylon goddess exists? Girl, look, I got to go. I told you I have to do one about Alistair Crowley. I need to do one about, like, you know, all of these religions. Like, it's so many different tangents on this. And I'm like, wait, what? Like, who who was sitting there going, <laughs> okay, I think that there's this girl up there. Let's call her Babylon Princess. You know, I mean, like, and the way to bring her down is to have sex with this girl so she's pregnant, and then we have that. That'll give us the moon baby. Yeah, like what the fuck? Well, so Alistair's over there, you know, like, but this Alistair's who told Jack about this, you know, because mm-hmm. it's all about the the Thelema religion and shit. Well, Jack's like Elrond, I need your help, you know, and Elrond's like, hell yeah. So for two weeks, they would go out into the desert. And it was by the Devil's Gate, which is crazy. You know what I mean? Like, everything's around there. And they would do, like, chanting. They would draw occult symbols in the air with swords. (laughs) They would drip animal blood on runes. So, basically, they were the original LARPers. Oh, hold on. Then Jack would masturbate (laughs) on... Magical tablets. and Well, now we're bringing in Mormonism. And it was to impregnate these tablets to get Babylon here, okay? With the whole moon child and everything. But Elrond is sitting there, like, taking notes, watching him jerk off. Like. So he, a, was, so he was the cuck. <laughs> that's a level of friendship I never want to know. <laughs> All right, so after those two weeks, the first set of that whole ritual is finished. And they meet this woman named Marjorie Cameron. She had just moved to Pasadena. She was a free spirit, and she had really scarlet red hair. Mm. And so they were like, we fucking successful. (laughs) The scarlet woman's here. So he's infatuated with her. She's like, hello, yes. You know, I mean, who would be like, no, I'm not a goddess. You know what I mean? Come on. 
And, like, I mean, so love, his love tank, full. He's got Sarah, and now he's got Scarlet Woman. However, his checking account is not full because he has blown through most of his Aerojet buyout money. Oh, my God. But old Elrond was like, I got you. I got you. He was like, look, I got this plan to make some money. And I, because you, you my ritual partner, <laughs> you know, I'm going to, I'm going to let you in on it. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to steal from you. You know what I mean? So what he would do, he was, cause he was from the Navy, Elrond, but he was like discharged, dishonorably discharged and shit. Imagine that. But he was a master seaman. Which is why they had the Sea Org. Yeah. But he was like, look, we need a boat. And so, like, eh, how much money you got, Jack? And Jack's like, I got like $20,000. He's like, perfect. That is what we need to get this boat. And he's like, all right, how we get the boat? He's like, look, me and Sarah, we're going to go down to Florida. Oh, fuck. Get the boat. You stay here. We're going to come back. And when we get it, then we can sell it and make some profit. Like, you know, just keep going. It was kind of like Robin Peter to pay Paul. Mm-hmm. But we're going to make some money. Jack was like, okay. Because, like, I mean, he wanted Sarah, but he's he's got a scarlet woman. Mm-hmm. However, they did not go to Florida. They ran off with his money <gasps> to Mexico. And when Jack couldn't get in touch with them, he's like, what the fuck? Well, he was like, I've been scammed by a kindergartner. <laughs> Y'all know what movie that's from? I forgot what movie that from. Home, home Alone. Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so he was like, you know what? I'm going to get fucking Elrond and Sarah. He went and was like, I'm going to perform a fucking ritual. So he cast a spell and he was like invoking all of like nature and all of this. And he like evoked a thunderstorm and it would force their boat to have to go to land. And it actually happened. That actually happened. Like, not saying that he caused it, but, like, I mean, that's what he wanted. And it happened. And it happened. And he had already fallen. He beep, beep, boop, boop, boop. Hey, uh, Elrond and Sarah, they got my money. Like, go here. Wait for them. Law enforcement was waiting for them. And here they come. And they're like, give me my money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. Like, the sex magic might work. I mean... After that, I mean, he got some of it. He got some of his money back. He married his Scarlet Woman, like all of the things. But he just never. He was never Jack Parsons again, you know. Like mm-hmm. he couldn't get that. So he had like small jobs here and there. But then he started designing pyrotechnics for Hollywood movies, and he was like a chemical researcher for this for Hughes Aerospace, which is Howard Hughes. Holy shit. Like, so many fucking names with this guy, you know? I was like, Howard Hughes. However, he stole some documents from Hughes's company. And so the FBI started to investigate him. This was, like, in 1950. And what kind of came to light is that Jack had planned to exchange some rocket plans with the newly founded Israeli government. And so, like, hey, I'll give you these plans, but you let me come over to Israel. Mm-hmm. So with all of this, like, his security clearance, 
that he had from like all the military shit that was gone. You know, like, I mean, he is now going back to pyrotechnics, but not with Hughes, you know, like just mm-hmm. doing whatever he can get. And I just want to say, so this has happened in 1950, you know, where he, his life is going to shit. Well, in 1950 is when L. Ron Hubbard released the first edition of Dianetics. Mm hmm. Jack Parsons never got back to where he was. He was still doing pyrotechnics for the movies. And in 1952, he died in an explosion in his house. Oh, shit. He was just 37 years <gasps> old. And he was mixing up some chemicals. And neighbors said they heard two loud explosions. He was found, like, a couple of hours later, you know. So he went through some pain. He did suffer. It wasn't an instant death. When the police arrived, he was still, like, half alive. Half of his face had been ripped off. His right arm was missing. And around him just was, like, a mess of pentagrams, occult drawings, all of the things. And, like, he died right there. Like, he, they, before they even got him out. A lot of people say, like, he could have been assassinated. He could, like, it could have been a suicide Mm -hmm. thing. Because, like, he wasn't, you know, able to get back on top and all of the things. It could have been murder from Hughes. Allegedly. I'm just saying. Because he had... And in with all of the movie stuff, which is what he was working on. Mm -hmm. And, like, if he stole stuff from him, like, he might know too much. You know, like, you never know. It also could have been Scientology's first kill. Could have been. Notice I said first. Uh Uh-huh. Looking at you, David Miscavige. Where is your wife? Girl, oh, gosh. Well, that's not the end of our story, though. Ruth, Jack's mom, when she was told about her son's death, she was distraught and she died by suicide oh god yeah she overdosed well when they were like going through all this stuff like you know just getting all the things they discovered a box and it had like a film reel in it and it showed jack and his mom ruth having sex what and somewhere i found and i don't know where it was but they also said a dog was involved but i'm not sure Yes. And so it's like, how? Why? Mm -hmm. And was this like, first of all, how does it happen? But second of all, how does it happen enough slash like talked about enough that you're like, let's fucking film it? You know, well, this is just me like with my brain. I wonder because he was an only child, you know, and when. His dad left and all of that. And he said he called up the devil, you mm-hmm. know? Like, I wonder if something was going on with that, too, with them. I don't know. And then, like, maybe that's why he was like, sex magic. Yeah, that makes sense. This is what's going on. You know what? I don't yeah. know. Like, maybe that was a normal thing. And then when he thought he actually conjured up shit from sex magic, he went and had sex with his mom. I, I have no idea. Like, I cannot even, that makes my stomach hurt. Like, that makes me physically want to throw up. (laughs) There's also another, like, kind of theory about it that Jack might have 
He might have died either trying to close a portal or open a portal. And most people say open a portal because when they were doing all the sex magic rituals in the Devil's Gate thing, Aleister Crowley said that, like, they opened a portal. Like, they, like, all of their, all of the bad shit that I'm going to focus on on another date about that place mixed with their sex magic with a K opened a portal and other beings could come in and whatnot. Okay. And so other people were saying that if he opened that portal, then maybe he was trying to open another portal for like revenge. Cause if L Ron Hubbard is living his best life now Mm -hmm. and he's not, he might've been trying to do that or he might've been trying to close it. Like, Kind of doing uh, repentance. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, what happened to the moon baby? Moonchild was never had. What happened to the Scarlet Lady? They were married. I don't know what happened to her, like, when he died. I don't know. So many questions. (laughs) I will say there's a podcast called Expanded Perspectives that has a whole episode on Jack Parsons. And they went into detail on, like, the day that these two explosions happened and he lost his life, that around that time, at different space centers and stuff like that, like, unidentified things were seen and all of that. So, if he did open a portal, somehow, like, it could be it. I don't know. So, what's up with the house now where the explosion happened? But it wasn't at that house. What house was it at? Because it said it was at his house, right? But I don't think the portal has to be at that house that he did it at. Mm. Like, it could be anywhere, I think. Like, I don't know. Hell, he had chemicals and everything else. He could have, like, a little bit of rocket dust here, a little bit of this. And <laughs> that's why it came to the space centers. I don't know. But if, okay. If... The shit that happened at the Space Centers was real, allegedly. Wouldn't it's it, documented that, st- that shit happened. Go listen to the podcast. But wouldn't that be things coming to, coming to his portal? So his portal would be in a place, like his basement. I don't know. Call up Dibbic Douche. <laughs> oh, y'all are on the rocks right now. He's Dibbic Douche. He's yeah. my bedazzled boo. Yeah, okay. he ain't call me. <laughs> Anyway, all in all, we, like, we haven't heard about Jack Parsons. No, never. You know, I mean. His connection to L. Ron Hubbard, though, blew my mind. There were so many different people that, like, I mean, I didn't sometimes know. But it was like, no, no, no. These are big named people that he come in, he came in contact with. And it's like, what the fuck? You know, like, small world. Yeah. Well, And I think, too, Hollywood was smaller than we realized back then. I mean, now, too. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so. Well, and he was with the occult. And, again, rockets were still science fiction. Yeah. L. Ron was a science fiction writer. Yeah. And so, I mean, their worlds, the worlds did collide a little. But at the same time, it's like, it's just so weird. And it's so weird, though, that, like, to see what we know Of, like, Scientology, well, what we think we know of Scientology and our opinions, but then to be like, L. Ron fucking swindled Jack 
Not saying that Jack was a great guy or not a great guy, but he swindled Jack out of $20,000 and his wife. Okay. Well, he also wrote a science fiction novel, made it a (laughs) Bible of sorts, Mm -hmm. and has swindled billions of dollars out of people ever since. Oh, no. But I'm saying, like, we have that now, like, from the very beginning, he, like, was Was a shitty human being. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like... Like, the shittiest of the shitty called him shitty. Yes! <laughs> well, there's a reason we haven't heard of him. Because he was pretty much taken out of all of the academic papers at Caltech. What? Yeah. Like, he first became, like, a footnote in the technical papers. Mm-hmm. Then those footnotes disappeared. And, you know, I mean, it's just like they tried to erase him because of his occult ties and, you know, all of the things. But the people who are who are in aerodynamics and all of this stuff, they are like Jack Parsons is a true father of the American space race. Like we would not be where we are had it not been for him. Well, and two after he died and then his mom died by suicide, there was no one left to fight for his legacy. Right. So they could just erase him and no one would be like, no, no, he was an author on this mm-hmm. journal article or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, this is the shit I want to learn about in school. Don't tell me that so-and-so walked on the moon. Tell me that this occult sex magic <laughs> person ejaculated on some tablets. I would have listened up. I would have been like, uh, hmm? Hmm? come again? <laughs> Pun intended. I Like... And, and it's so crazy, too, because, like, the tablet thing is very, like, the beginnings of Mormonism with, like, these sacred documents that only mm-hmm. certain people can read and see and know exist. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So, today, like, today, Aerojet, which he helped found, mm-hmm. then got bought out, and then he went, like, on his sex craze magic tour which, all in all, doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> I mean, the the cake is not what the cake I want to eat. No. Mm-mm. It's known as Aerojet Rocketdyne, and it's a manufacturer of rockets and missile propulsion mm-hmm. systems still. JPL is managed by Caltech for NASA, mm-hmm. and it's located still near the Devil's Gate whole thing where they were, like, exiled because mm-hmm. they were the Suicide Squad. So it's, like, still there, but it's, like, all of this is kind of still there, but he's nowhere in their history besides on the people who have now, like, created websites being, like, you never hear about Jack Parsons, you know? So we both kind of did something a little different. Uh, we had some fucking twists and turns up in this episode <laughs> that I was not expecting. Girl, you threw me for a loop. I'm going to need you to go ahead and do all those other stories on all those people. Right? I mean, the rabbit holes, I was like, wait, 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 wait. No, no, no. I'm getting too far down. Like, too much of a tangent on this guy. Let me pull him to the side because I need to know all of this. You know, like, it. I know that was a lot of information and it was whatever. But it was like that build up to the amazing occult. What? And L. Ron Hubbard? Wow. And then, like, the whole thing, like, was it murder? Was it a suicide? Was it an accident? What was it? Because, I mean, there's multiple 
like conspiracy theories about it. It, it. It's a lot of stuff. And like we always say, or like I always say, it sounds silly when you're like a conspiracy theory because you, that's what they want you to think. It's like mm-hmm. a conspiracy theory is so crazy, but it's like, it's really not. When you kind of boil it down to yeah, things, I, I don't know. So I'm just saying that who knows what his death is. And it's, again, that I'm like, ooh, his death is a mystery. Well, here's the thing, though. If it was a murder, like, he and whomever may or may not have murdered him are probably the only two people that are smart enough to figure out the forensics to say murder or not. Very fucking true. Also, my story, I feel like, also kind of shines on if you're rich enough or you know the right amount of people, you can kind of get away with really questionable things. Uh, yeah. You know, like, like yeah, we know that because so many things have come out that you're like, what? But it's like, God, that still happens. What's going on now? Mm-hmm. Like, who is the Jack Parsons of right now? Show me your sex magic with the K, please. <laughs> but keep the cake. It's not gluten-free. We, I don't even know where to go from there. I will tell you. You know who I don't want to call me? Kenneth Douglas. Oh, yeah. He's a fucker. Uh, literally. Touche. I want more stories like that. Okay. <laughs> and I need all the rest of yours. Okay. Anything else? If y'all have different, like, conspiracies and weird things that you might not think I would cover, like, send them over because never thought I would find this... I'll tell you what I'll... Hold on. Skirt! So I was looking at, like, something else to do, and it was on Vice.com. And, you know, that, like, you might be interested in. Mm -hmm. It said, the occult rocket scientist who conjured spirits with L. Ron Hubbard. And I was like, wait a tick. And let me click that, new tab. And then I was like, down the rabbit hole I go. I'm late for a very important date. (laughs) And here I am. Like, didn't know him, now I know all about him. Those are the best, because that one of the websites that I use a lot for my research at the bottom, and it's kind of like, if you like this story, you may like these two more, and I mm-hmm. click, and it, that's how I found some good ones, too. Yes, yeah, so, seriously, y'all, anything that's kind of weird, like, let's talk about it. Yeah, send them in, email, Facebook, whatever, and remember, creep it real, and, and don't, don't get, get scared. scared. And don't eat the cakes. Ooh. <sighs>